Good morning. Welcome to uh, Buffalo Church. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, if you would like to, I'll be reading from Hebrews, the second chapter, verse 10. For it became him, about Jesus, for whom all are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I, uh, uh, this just really spoke to me when I was re- when I was reading through this, of how you know it says how Christ sanctified us, which means you know he make, makes to make holy and to purify us, and we are one with Christ. And also says he's not ashamed to call us his brethren, or his brothers and sisters. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee? So Christ was not ashamed to declare us his brothers and sisters before the Lord, his Father. And I like what it said. Uh, he could have been made, Christ could have been made into any image that he wanted to. But it says down in a Verse 16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. It, he, didn't come, he didn't come down to, he come down here just to save his people. He came down here to save his brothers. It says, uh, I think it's in Romans 8, 28, that uh, Christ was the firstborn referred to him as. That, it almost makes it sound like he's our older brother. He's my big brother. And uh, on earth, you think of your big brother, you think of somebody that you look up to who would do anything for you. And uh, I think that was part of the reason that Christ came here to save us, not just his people, but God had given him brothers and sisters that he wanted that He wanted to uh be made in the likeness of. Uh, there are some people that think that uh, Jesus was just an angel, that he wasn't actually a man. But here it says that you know he, he, he didn't come down here to save angels. He had no need to be an angel. He came down here to save uh, his brothers, and he wanted to be made like unto his brothers. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Just means, you know, succor means he is he is able to help them that are tempted. Not only was being that he was made a man that he saved us, but he understands everything that we go through and the trials and tribulations that we may face, and he's able to help us because he understands and he's been there himself. And uh, I pray that uh, we've come here today, just like he said in uh, verse 12, just like Jesus told the Lord, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. I pray that we've come together as brothers and sisters today to uh, do the same and to praise and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and our brother. So if we would, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for another Sunday that we are able to come here, Lord, and to worship you, Lord, and to praise your name. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, prep our hearts and our minds to receive the things that we've uh, spoken today, Lord. I pray that you be with uh, Brother Josh as he comes up here, Lord. I pray that you be with uh, Brother Kevin and Sister Ginger as uh, they travel, Lord. I pray that you would heal those uh, sick and afflicted, Lord, and that you would uh, be with all of us today. In your name do I pray. Amen. morning. Happy 4th of July. I was trying to remember the last time 4th of July was on a Sunday, or, you know, on a Sunday, and I can't remember. I'm sure it wasn't that long ago. That just shows how poor my memory is. But it is 4th of July. It is Independence Day. And uh, different thoughts have been on my mind this week. And, uh, and I've been reading through the Psalms, and they're is a psalm here, and I'd like to begin at Psalm 
78, but there's a, a song here, there's a thought, I guess, that's on my mind, being that today is the 4th of July. You know, this is a memorial. It's a day of memorial, of memory, that we remember uh, America and uh, the men and women that died for the cause of independence and being a new country, if you will, a new world is what they called it back then. And this thought uh, came to me, and again, I'd like to begin in, in Psalm 78. If y'all have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn with me this morning and follow along. I'm, I'm not going to do very much reading, uh, but I would like to catch something because this is important. Uh, you know, we, we set up memorials to do what? To remind ourselves, right? To teach our children, right? Well, this is a Bible principle. You know, the founders, they did this, we do this. You know, it's a Bible principle uh, because the, the Lord God of heaven has written this law in our hearts, and this, this is why we do certain things like this. In Psalm 78, <clears throat> it says, Give ear, O my people, <clears throat> excuse me, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Now, I'm not going to read this entire psalm. I encourage you to read this entire psalm. This psalm here points back to Israel. It points back to Jacob. It points back to, to, to the children of Israel and how they fell and how they conducted themselves and they dishonored and disgraced God, but God never stopped loving them. And God never sacrificed them. It says, nevertheless, uh, he, he, he would always be faithful. But it says that he's going to he's going to tell tell us a parable. He's going to tell us the story, which uh, uh, dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Catch that? Our fathers have told us. And, and I guess the thought that's on my mind this morning. Now, y'all pray for me as I stand here because I want this to be very, very clear and easy. I think about my children, and I think about you all. You know, we've got older folks, we've got younger folks, we've got little, little younger folks. My children, my youngest is six, my oldest is, well, fixing to be 12. You know, we've got some high schoolers, we've got some college, we've got some young adults. I, I like the variety, if you will, of different ages, different walks of life. But we have one common theme, if you will, and y'all forgive me. And what is it? Why, why have we met together under this roof this morning? Why do we come together every Sunday and meet together? Do we come together to see each other? Well, yeah, I, I enjoy seeing you. <laughs> I love to see your smiling faces. You know, do we come to, to admire the building? No, not really. Why do we come? We come to glory in our God. Amen. And our God, what's his name? His name's Jesus Christ. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's a pretty simple gospel, isn't it? And that's how it begins. It begins very simple. That's what we teach our children. You know, our children ask sometimes, why, why don't we go to church every Sunday? Because God deserves our praise. And that's why we go every Sunday. So he says here that uh, he's telling us these things which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. You know, there are generations that have hid those things. And when I say hid, that can just mean not have not told them. They didn't tell them about the glory of the Lord. They didn't tell them about the praises of God. They didn't tell them about the things that we enjoy so much today. And that's a detriment, I'm going to tell you. It was a detriment. It says here, we will not hide these things from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. I like that the scriptures uh, bear out his works, what he has done. And that's what my mind has really been on all week, ever since last, well, ever since Monday. All week I've been really dwelling on creation. I've been really dwelling on this earth 
this magnificent globe that's placed in a Milky Way. I mean, it's it's amazing. It really is. And that's where my mind has been. My mind has really just been kind of pondering and thinking on how amazing and how awesome God truly is. Because I'm going to tell you, that's what he, he really, he, he, he enjoys for us to do. He enjoys for us to, to think on him and to glory in him and to be amazed at him. And not only that, but to tell our children also. That's key. Not only is it our responsibility to be amazed at our God, and I'm going to tell you, if you slow down just long enough to get, just to, just to stop, you can go out and you can start picking leaves off of one tree. Pick one tree out here in the yard and pick off a dozen leaves, and I want you to tell me if you can find two that are exactly alike. They're not. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, us as men and women, you know, even our, our fingertips, there's no fingerprint that's ever been identical to another. Isn't that amazing? We were in Bible study Monday, and I shared some of this in Bible study Wednesday, and it's a thought that was brought to my mind, and I'm, I'm very thankful for men that are in the ministry that have been around a whole lot longer than I have that that the Lord has, has blessed them to have ideas and thoughts that really just stick in my mind. And this Brother David Crawford, a friend of mine, was down in Florida and visited uh, the church down there and got to enjoy the fellowship with the brothers and sisters down there. And Brother David Crawford brought this, uh, this fact, I guess, that stuck with my buddy. He brought it back to Milan, shared it with me, and I think I, I shared a little bit with it at Bible study. But you know, right now, as we sit here, you know how fast we're traveling? The earth is spinning right now at a thousand miles an hour. Right now. Doesn't feel like I'm moving, does it? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because God has made, he has created this earth to spin at a thousand miles an hour right now, and we don't feel it. It ain't like we're flying around. And not only that, not only is the earth spinning, but the earth is also orbiting. You know, our universe, the center of our universe, or our Milky Way, what they call it, that's what science calls it, the center of our Milky Way is what? The sun. Right? That's the center. And we orbit with all the other stars and planets and everything else that's in the Milky Way. We orbit around that sun. You know how fast we're going around the sun right now? As we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour, we are orbiting the sun at a roughly about 65,000 miles per hour we are flying folks that's amazing in one day in one 24-hour day we travel just in rotating 24,000 miles think about that and we're orbiting this this sun the center of our solar system what they call it at 65,000 miles an hour and the Milky Way, which is just part of the entire universe, they estimate it, they don't know, <laughs> they estimate that our Milky Way itself is in orbit, is, in, is rotating also at about 565,000 miles an hour. That's pretty fast. And that's just one... I don't even know how to explain it. That's just one part of space. And from our point of view, which we can, you know, we've got some pretty advanced technology today, and we've got telescopes and, and, and magnifiers, and we can we can see out into space, and they have, and they've, 
they've studied space and they've tried to understand space. And one thing that they try to guesstimate is how many stars there are. Just from our point of view, from what we can see, they estimate, because no man can count this far, in our Milky Way alone, which is all that we can really see, they estimate that there are a billion trillion stars. Now just start putting the zeros on there and you're going to have a long number. A billion trillion stars? Wow. You know what's amazing about that? God has named every star. Me and Anna were talking about that last night. Think about that. God has named. He created every star. We go back to Genesis chapter 1. He named every star. Now, I don't know about y'all, but in my finite mind, just in this congregation this morning, y'all would have to forgive me for forgetting half of your names. That's how pitiful my mind is. Truly. But see, that just shows how amazing God's mind is. He's named all the stars. And by his power, all things consist. You know, that's what Colossians tells us. That in him were all things made, and by him all things consist. Have you ever wondered why the sun hasn't burnt out? It's because God said you'll never burn out. The sun doesn't make sense, does it? It's like a, it's a ball of fire up there in space and it burns and burns and burns. It never stops burning. It never gets smaller. It just burns. How does that work? Because God said, sit right there and burn. You know what I find more amazing about that is you go back and you read Genesis chapter 1. God created light. Actually, light was the first thing he created. He said, let there be light. That was the very first creation that God said. But did you know that God didn't create the sun, the moon, and the stars until day four? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? See, God doesn't have to have a sun to have light. He said, let there be light. And then, he's, and then he created the sun. That's amazing. That's how God works. This is what... We come to church, I hope, every Sunday and every time the doors open. This is why we come, I hope, is to glory in God. It says here, we will not hide these things from our children. We will show forth to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Back over here in Psalm chapter, or Psalm 8 is where the thought of what we just talked about. In Psalm 8, it says, When I consider thy heavens, notice it's not our heavens. It's his heavens. When I consider thy heavens, in Psalm 8, verse 3, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers. That really makes it magnificent, doesn't it? All the things we've talked about for just a short few minutes here, those are the works of his fingers. See, when I when I think about things that are hard for me to understand, like, again, our solar system, we're in this Milky Way, and we're in space. If anybody can explain space to me, because that's a pretty kind of, intimidating thought but this verse right here puts all of that which I do not understand in those billions and trillions of named stars it puts them in the fingertips of God that really <laughs> that really makes God big in my mind does it does it y'all It says, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. He ordained them just to be there. 
just to stay right there for a testimony for him to declare his wondrous works. And then it says this, what is man? In verse 4, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You know, that's really what the Psalm 78 talks a lot about. It's his people, Israel. And see, of course, Old Testament Israel, when you go back and you read all those, those Old Testament books and you read about Israel and you read about how Israel acted and how they lived and what they did and how God punished them, And what they had to endure, that is a picture of spiritual Israel in the New Testament. And as I I think on these things, again, it's more questions. It's more me kind of sitting back and trying to understand things that I really can't understand. But what does it cause me to do? It causes me to glory in God. There is another psalm. Okay, I told you I've been reading through the psalm. There is another psalm over here. In Psalm 89. And again, this is concerning Israel. And you remember we started in Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, I'm going to tell you folks, it's hard to read. It talks about how Israel messed up. It talks about how Israel went a whoring after other gods and how Israel left their God and how Israel chose other gods over God, which were not gods. We get to Psalm 89. It says this. Verse 30. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments. Now this is this is something that again this is why we we teach our children, I hope. This is why we come to church. This is why we meet together. It's so that our children won't forsake his laws, but it says if his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments. If they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, notice this, then will I visit their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. You know, that's our faithful God. You know, if you go read uh, Hebrews, he talks about that chastisement. I preached on this a little bit last week. I tried to anyway. Chastisement is a Bible word. Punishment is also a Bible word, and they're not the same. If you go and you read and you study the word chastisement, chastisement is always referring to a father and son. And Hebrews tells us that chastisement has a result. The result of chastisement is the righteous fruit. Oh, my goodness, I already messed that all up. It's Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Chastisement. Verse 11. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That's what chastisement is. It's to produce something. And God does it. We do it. Do we not? We chase, I chase my children in different ways. Sometimes it is with a rod, which he's talking about here in Psalm 89. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I just I turn my head. Sometimes I can be silent. Sometimes I can yell. But it's to produce something. Punishment is reserved for the wicked. It goes all the way back to Genesis When Cain that killed Abel, the Lord placed on him a punishment. And he said, this punishment is too much for me to bear. The punishment punishment is reserved for wicked, the wicked. And it is to produce 
nothing, but chastening produces something. This right here that he's talking about, Psalm 89, is to produce something. If we forsake God, if we stop coming to church, we decide, you know what, church, you know, it's great and all, and I, I know God loves me and I love Him too, but you know what, I got better things to do. I'm too busy. I need to be making money, right? I need to be doing what I need to be doing. That's forsaking. It's forsaking God. It's forsaking His laws, forsaking His commandments. Notice, He says that He will what? He says, I will visit their transgressions with the rod. You know why He visits us when we're disobedient? Because He loves us. Just like when my children are disobedient to what I want them to do, I visit them what? I visit their transgressions, sometimes with the rod. Why? Because I love them. I don't do it because I don't love them. You know, I've never whooped anybody else's kids. Have y'all? Have you ever whooped someone else's children? Ever? If you did, I'm going to tell you, you didn't feel comfortable about it. I almost did once, but I didn't make it. Dad, his daddy came out. It was a good thing, because I didn't want to whoop him, but I was willing. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't going to feel right for me. <laughs> we don't whoop other people's kids. Why? Because it, that ain't right. But it is something's real right about chastening our own children, isn't it? Something is very right about that, isn't it? It's right for God, too. He says, I will, I will visit their iniquities with the rod and their or their transgression with the rod and their iniquities with stripes nevertheless I want y'all to write that word down nevertheless I forgot how many times it's found in the Bible but it's a contrast it's a word that comes right off the back of this scene but it shows something much greater and much uh, more important, if you will, if I can say it like that. Y'all forgive me if that's wrong. <laughs> but he says, nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him. I really like that. When I really slow down and, and ponder on that one, it, it, again, it, it sends me back to my children. Did you know, and y'all can, y'all can testify to this, did you know that it doesn't matter how bad or how backwards, if you will, your children can be, did you know you never stop loving them? You don't. Brother Kevin's become very dear friend of mine there was something that I learned very early about him and y'all know about your brother and that's something I ponder on I, I do I keep it because I pray for it I pray for him I mean, it's something that touched me but I know a parent's love doesn't change I know that my love now, my, my love may grow weary, you know. That happens. But it doesn't stop, does it? He says here, he says, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I utterly, will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. Did y'all know your God in heaven, <laughs> the Creator, is faithful. He is faithful. He will not suffer his faithfulness to fail because of our actions. I'm going to tell you, that's, that's some really good news for me. Because I, when I look at me, I think about how sinful I truly am. I think about how when I'm out here, you know, because everybody's their best on Sunday morning. Everybody's dressed up. Everybody's got the tie. Nobody's talking crazy. You know, Monday's sometimes different. 
you know, you get to work and you're around different people and you might let some things come out your mouth that you shouldn't. I, I mean, I, I'm just being real with you. Sunday mornings, y'all was your best. You coming to church. But I think about these things because I, I, I do. I catch myself sometimes and I'm like, man. But I'm thankful these verses right here are in here that tell me that my Lord will never stop loving me. He, even though I act sometimes like the devil is my father and not God, that doesn't stop him from being faithful. He says, I won't suffer my faithfulness to stop. He says, I will <clears throat> nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. He says, my covenant, this is God saying, my covenant, my promise, will I not break. You know, God made a covenant with Noah. I think that's the first covenant in the Bible. He made a covenant with Noah. Did you know Noah broke it? Noah broke it. Then he made a covenant with Moses. Moses broke it. Then God made a covenant with David. David broke it. Oh, did you know he made a covenant with Abraham too? Abraham broke it. Men break promises. But God doesn't. He doesn't break his promises based on where we mess up. Aren't y'all thankful for that this morning? I'll tell you, I am. That's something that I'm, I'm so thankful that God and, and the aspect of me is not like me. I'm glad I get to be a little like Him. I'm glad I, that He has given me, uh, uh, you know, through the new birth, He has given me those nine-fold uh, fruits of the Spirit where I can love and I can have some good in me and I, I can be long-suffering. I, you know, I can exercise faith, but I won't tell you how many times I fail at it. But that doesn't stop him from being faithful. He continues to be faithful. Now, I told you about that word nevertheless. Nevertheless is also found over here in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, it says it like this. And this is another place that goes along with the, this same nevertheless. There's a story over here that, Tim, that Paul is telling Timothy, and he's, he's reminded Timothy of the hardships that he's going through. Paul, you know, you remember when Paul was struck down on that road to Damascus, the Lord told him, he said, you're going to see how much you've got to suffer for my namesake. And from that point forward, Paul truly suffered for Jesus. If you go and you read uh, in the Corinthians letter, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he, he gives a list of everything that he, he had to endure through. Between shipwreck, beaten, uh, you know, he was beaten five different times, uh, 39 stripes. You think about that. That's a lot. But he, he endured for the name of Jesus. And he is telling Timothy about this in this letter to Timothy. And he says in verse 9, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. He was, he was in bonds now. He was in prison. He was, they said, oh, this is an evil man. And all he was doing was preaching. He says, but the word of God is not bound. He says, therefore, verse 10, I endure all things for the elect's sake. He said, this is something that the Lord has told me that I'm going to endure. And he says, and I'm telling you what, I'm, in, I'm enduring it. But I'm enduring it for a very specific people. And I believe Paul assumed that every person that he ever come in contact with was an elect. That's why we're supposed to endure 
But he's, he knows that they are a specific people. They are, as the brother brought up this morning, our brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, So I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation. There's a salvation. Salvation means deliverance. There's a deliverance here in time as we're walking through this old sin-cursed earth that Paul wanted us to obtain. He wanted us to have it. He wanted us to know about it. What's the deliverance? To know that God is always there for you. That He is your Heavenly Father. And He will not forsake you. That He always loves you. That's a great salvation, folks. There are people that walk through this world that never know that. There are people that walk through this world that serve false gods because that's what they've been taught from a child. And that's all they know. And they try to serve God through false gods and know nothing else and live in a bondage, truly feeling if they deviate from the plan of which they've learned, they go straight to hell. They live in a bondage. That is not deliverance. That is not salvation. Salvation is being set free. Paul says, I'm enduring. I'm suffering as an evildoer that God's children would know some things about the true and living God. The true and living God says, I am faithful. I will not cast you off. You are mine. That's good news. He says, therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. That's the good news. The good news is, is no matter how bad you think you've been, no matter what type of walk you have walked in life, no matter what type of gods you think you have served and bowed down to in your life, if Jesus Christ's blood is shed for you, you are covered. It's a declaration. It's not an offering. You know, we, ce- we celebrate independence today. It's called the Declaration of Independence. What's that mean? It means when they wrote it, they were declaring across the sea, we're here now. We are a nation. They never wrote an offering of independence. Do you accept our independence now, England? They never wrote that. They said they declared it. We are independent. And if you want it back, you got to come fight for it because they've been fighting. This right here is a declaration that you may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. And notice it says with. With. There's something that we already have. See, by the blood, we've already obtained something whether we know about it or not. And that is eternal glory. He says, let's read it again. I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also, catch the also, obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We got eternal glory. But there's something that Paul was suffering through because he wanted us to to obtain this, this knowledge. You remember back over here in Romans. We go back over here in Romans. You remember he, he prayed and He said, this is my prayer. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. See, Israel was his nation. Just like America is my nation. And this is my prayer also. I'm going to tell you. Because it's a prayer that goes through the ages. Paul says, my prayer, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. There's this salvation again. What's he talking about? Is he talking about eternal? I don't believe so. Because what does he say? He says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Well, how do you have a zeal of God if you ain't heaven bought and heaven bound, blood bought and heaven bound? You don't. He says, I bear them to have a zeal of God. I bear them that they're bought by the blood. 
But I desire, I pray that they would be saved. What's he talking about? He said, they being ignorant. Salvation, deliverance. Nami, well, I, I can't put a percentage on it, but a lot of it, a lot of times it's just in our head. He says, they being ignorant. They just don't know. They don't know about this. I want them to obtain this. I want them to know this. This is something they need to know. It's going to get them through life. They're going about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted to God's righteousness. Back in Timothy, he says, so... This is a faithful saying. He goes right into this in verse 11. I'm going to get to a nevertheless here in a minute. Y'all bear with me. He says, uh, he says it is a faithful saying, verse 11, 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we were in Christ, when he died on the cross, I'll tell you what, we live with him. We were in him. Romans 8 talks a lot about, about that. He says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Paul was suffering, wasn't he? And it didn't matter what kind of sufferings he went through, guess what? He was reigning. God kept his mind steadfast in the Lord. Through great sufferings, it says we have fellowship with Christ in his suffering. It says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Now, that has to be a different type of deny. This has to be a time uh, walking through this earth. Deny, if we deny the Lord as we walk through this earth, he'll deny us. Just like my children. If my Otis back there, which I hope's listening as she's got her head turned around. If she listens during church well... I don't deny her when she wants to get home and watch some, you know, Spongebob. Right? But if I tell her to listen during church and she doesn't, and she lays down and sleeps, do you think I'm going to let her do what she wants to do when we get home? No. That's as simple as that is. Because, see, the eternal glory, we can't, we can't block that out. That's done. It says with. We're talking about a salvation, a deliverance. And he confirms to that by saying this, if we believe not, that's I don't want to stand up here and say belief is not important. I'm going to tell you what, belief is one of the most important things you could ever do in your life. Go read the story in Luke chapter 1, what I tried to preach on last week. That priest, Zacharias, when that angel came and told him he was going to have a son, when he was well stricken in years and him and his wife Elizabeth were barren, they couldn't have children, but there was an angel, Gabriel, that showed up and said, you're going to have a child. And he said, how can these things be? And the angel said, well, for that, that, that question of unbelief, because you're not, you're not believing now, you won't be able to speak for ten months until the day that these things shall come to pass. He said, these things are going to come to pass. They're going to happen. But because you didn't believe, you won't speak for 10 months. There are consequences to unbelief. If you go and you read chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, you'll read about how the scriptures tell us that unbelief is departing from God with an evil heart. That's what unbelief is. If we don't choose to believe in God, if we don't choose to, to, to hold fast to His commandments, what I hope our parents are teaching our children to the ages, there are great consequences to unbelief. Look at our nation in 2021. There are great consequences to unbelief. But what if we don't believe? What if we don't? What if our nation today is the way it stands? Are, you, are they all going to hell? That's the question. That's the question. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. It's the same thing he said back over in Psalm 89. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't change. Amen? God's the same today 
as yesterday and will be tomorrow. He doesn't change. He abideth faithful. What if we believe not? Yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. He can't deny himself. What's that mean? It means he cannot deny the sacrifice of his son. He cannot deny his own what? Covenant. When he makes a covenant, he doesn't break it, folks, even if we do. He cannot deny himself. So of this, he says, of these things, put them in remembrance. Again, these are things that we are to remember. We're to, we're to come and we're to learn about it. It says, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study. Do we do that? Now see, I'm not in y'all's personal lives. I'm, I'm not going home with you today. I'm not going to go out there and inspect your truck or your car and see how used your Bible is or isn't. That's a personal question between you and God. The Lord commands study. Why are we to study? Why are we to study? It's very important, obviously. He tells us to do it, but he tells us to do it for a reason. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Notice it doesn't say unto men. We don't study to go out and show men how much we know. We study to show to God how much we want to be approved by him. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. If you don't study, did you know that you'll have times in life when maybe false doctrine comes across your table and if you, don't, if you ain't studied, you won't know the answer. And that creates shame. Not only shame for you, it's a shame to your heavenly Father too. Because as Paul tells the Corinthians... You ought to have known these things. You ought to have been eating steak at this point in your lives. But I'm still having to feed you with milk. Y'all see that? Alright, let's move on. It says, but shun profane and vain babblings. There's a lot of profane and vain empty babblings out there in the world. In religion. They're out there. It says shun those things. If you're studying, you know, you'll recognize them and just move on. Because if you take part in them, it says they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker of whom, and Paul was never embarrassed to call out people's names, is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Here's two guys that Paul calls out by name that are what? They're profaning. They're babbling. They're promoting false doctrine. And their false doctrine was that the resurrection is past. <coughs> it says, who concerning the truth? Here we go. Right back to study. Right back to all these things Paul's talking about. Who concerning the truth have erred. They've erred. They're not doing, they're not prescribing to what God has declared. They've erred. Saying, this is their error, they're out there saying and preaching that the resurrection is past already and, and overthrown the faith of some. Do you know your faith can be overthrown? It says it right there. There were some out there that these men were preaching to and they had overthrown the faith of some. Nevertheless, there it is. Nevertheless. What's the great nevertheless here? It's the same that's all the way back there in the Psalms. It's the same that the Lord's declared all the way from the very beginning, and it will follow all the way through until the very end. It's the same. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Not only in a natural sense, but also 
in a spiritual sense, the foundation of God standeth sure. It will never end. It says, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Just as the Lord knoweth every star he ever named, he knows every child he's got. He knows their name. He knows the hairs on your head. And it doesn't matter if you do err in the faith, as I'm going to tell you, that the many of the Old Testament Israel did. You go study about Old Testament Israel. Tell me how many of them were faithful. I mean, even their leader Moses. Why did he not to get? Why did he get to enter into the Promised Land? Because <clears throat> he believed not God. He smote that rock twice when the Lord said, "Speak to it." He disobeyed. He was disobedient. How many times are we disobedient to our children? But the Lord standeth sure. The foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. I hope that's good news to you this morning. I hope that's something that you want to talk about. You want to tell your children. If you don't have children, maybe you want to tell your, your spouse or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your your loved ones, your brothers, your sisters, your, your family. I'm going to tell you, when you see something glorious like that and, and, and you believe it, because it is important to believe, you want to tell people about it. That's what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to tell people about it because, see, he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to let them know, hey, it does, even though what you see about me, the what I suffered through, I'm going to tell you, Paul had great joy in the Lord. And that's what will get us through this life. It's not what's going to get you into heaven. That's the blood. But it's what's going to get you through this life. If that's something that you're, you glory in this morning, give, the, give all the praise and all the honor and all the glory to the Lord. He's the one that deserves it. Amen? Amen. God bless you